Yo. Good morning, sir. Hey. How's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How many times a day do you look at your metrics? <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say. I have a tab open almost persistently. I think it's a good thing that... So one. Just once. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, does it count as once if it's just like visible at all times? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You open the tab once per whatever. Right. And that's it. Right. I think it's good that like ProfitWell has a little bit of lag. Like it's not totally real time. I have an activity feed in Slack that is like a it's a muted channel, but I can pop in there and just see a stream of signups and conversions and all the different uh, events that happen around customer stuff. So I will sometimes see, I'll, I'll pop in there and just see if there's like a spike happening and like kind of peruse through the, the where did you hear about us sources to see if we're like getting traffic from somewhere that I'm not aware of. But a lot of times the conversions that show up in there don't reflect immediately in profit well, which is probably a good thing. Like, so I'm not, you know, not always getting up to the minute metrics kind of forces me to try not to look at it as often, I guess. Mm. Yeah. What about you? I have uh, a lot. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a I'm bored kind of tick almost. Yep. It's it's not great. And so it's like, oh, it went up a little bit. Oh, it went down a little bit. Oh, it went up a little bit. Oh, someone added a seat. Someone removed a seat. It's just like this. This the activity feed is full of you know stuff happening all day long, um, and it's addicting. It is, and I wonder, is it healthy to be looking at that? Like, mm. is it reinforcing negative? Like, I guess for me, I've noticed that you know obviously when things trend down on a on the micro scale i take my my mood sometimes takes a small hit which i don't like but then it also works in the opposite direction where i get like a little a little boost from something going up so yes we mostly trend up most of the time so it's usually good news when i jump in there i'm like ooh, look at that and that's fun i check it way less when it's not good like if we have like a big customer cancel or something, and it's like this is like just ugly drop on the graph. Like I'll go a few days and just like I don't want to look at it. <laughs> I'm not looking again until things recover. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come back when you have better news for me. <laughs> metrics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just say about the daily summary. So now I only get a weekly summary, but I'm checking it so often that it's like it's, it's whatever. It's. But it's it's not useful. I'm like gazing at a thing that like doesn't really tell me much. Like I'm every once in a while I'll go, oh, that's cool. I didn't realize that part, that company was a customer or something. And that's kind of neat. But yeah. Yeah. It's not a good use of time. No, I agree. Anyway, that last episode was uh, good. I liked it. Yeah. It uh, elicited a lot of uh, a lot of reactions from people, which is kind of what we were wanting, I think. Yeah, I really enjoyed recording it. It was a good session. Yeah, it was solid. Got a lot of feedback from people, or a decent amount of feedback. Got some emails and DMs and things, which is nice. I think that format, something about that worked well. We were like, you and I were like just co-working on a project. I think that was really useful. Like that, That's like a good format, it feels like. I agree. I agree. We give each other, you know, brainstorming sessions here from time to time, but it'd be fun to do that a little bit more deliberately, I think, you know? Yeah, that's a good idea. We could add that to the the format roadmap. Is like come with a like challenge or thing to be shaped because we actually had a thing to focus on that was like a task we were doing i felt like i was like less podcasting and more just like working with you and i feel like that like that made for good radio 
like trying to make a good podcast sometimes i think maybe doesn't make the best podcast agreed yeah 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 that, that was interesting i think we both kind of forgot we were on the mics by the end of it right um exactly yeah yeah that'd be a cool thing to try try a little more of that yeah i agree i agree I think it's pretty clear that uh, people don't want intro music. I, I hear you. I hear oh. you. <laughs> Did you get slapped down? <laughs> just a, just different remarks here and there. Uh, uh-huh. Sort of indicates, I think, I don't know. I think our, our cold open is probably serving that purpose. The thing I described of like, you know, you hear that thing and it flips your mind into the mode of like, all right, I'm ready to listen to this particular show i think our cold open serves that purpose uh so yeah maybe no intro music you know you don't realize that you're committing to things for the lifetime of a project <laughs> right yeah because people are gonna get used to them i mean we could add intro music and like people would get over it true like, yep i think there's always gonna be that like you know no don't change it bias yes unless you're really screwing up yep but it does feel like we've poured a little bit of concrete there uh, just by not having intro music for 195 episodes. <laughs> Jesus. 195? Yeah. This is 195 wow. today. That's 195 weeks. I know. Wow. How many That's things crazy. in your life have you done for that many weeks in a row? Not a lot. Yeah. That's interesting. It's crazy. It's it's fun, though. I feel like that's the, that's the thing about podcasting. That's like, it's, is that... I don't mind doing it. Yeah, agreed. There's a lot of like content production-y things that if you were like, oh, you should do this every week, I'd be like, oh my God, okay. Mm-hmm. And like, it would be a chore. But this is doesn't ever feel like a chore to me. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have the same like, like writing an article, you go through that, that phase of like agony and like, oh my gosh, I'm wrestling with this thing and then I have to edit it. And it's just, it sucks a lot out of you. I think this doesn't suck nearly as much uh, energy out. Totally, yeah. And it's, I mean, there, it's, it's a pretty different product where it's like these are you know just like kind of unformed off the cuff opinions where a written thing would the, the the hard part the agony would be from distilling it and like really thinking through it whereas we're just shooting from the hip yeah. every week that's all we do here <laughs> shoot from that's the all hip. we do that's that's how we shoot <laughs> yeah Art yep. of hip, hip shooting but it's pretty cool that thousands of people tune in every week and would be like very sad if we stopped doing this. It's pretty trippy, you know? They'd be a little sad. They'd get over it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Sad for a week, at least. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would sometimes think about it and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was good. Yep, yep. <laughs> but yeah, it is cool. Yeah. 6,000 people. I want to see a visual representation of 6,000 people. And be like, this is what the audience is looking like. This is who you're talking to. We could like sell out a small theater, probably, you know? Like, there's some small theaters on... Here in Minneapolis, that probably hold about 6,000 people comfortably. Sure. Yeah. You, know? you saying you want to do a live podcast tour? <laughs> Let's do it live. <laughs> do a road show. Yep. Across the world. Yep. Art of Product Worldwide Tour. <laughs> That'd be a great way to podcast in front of like 12 people. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I have a feeling we're extremely geographically distributed. <laughs> so <laughs> in any given locale, there's like probably two listeners, you know. I wonder. Comment in the chat where you are yeah, right now. Yeah. We need live chat. We should try that live thing just for the lulls. I agree. Yeah. It could be interesting. I hopped into a Twitter space hosted by our buddy Rob Walling. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, yeah. This is a thing. Was it the personal finance one? No. Although okay. I, wish I, I wish I had been around for that one. 
Um, it, it was the announcing the syndicates thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did you listen to the personal finance one? I got, I went in like halfway through. It was pretty fun. Like I've talked to Rob a lot about personal finance stuff. So he was talking about like his thoughts around, you know, buying a house and whether it makes sense to own, you know, your personal residence versus renting. And, and they talked about investing and, you know, allocating assets. And um, so it was it was fun to hear two smart people who have clearly thought a lot about this stuff kind of workshop that, you know, I really like that format. I was, I was listening to it. I was like, this is a really good use of Twitter spaces and maybe we can do, maybe we can do some art of producty stuff on there. Give it a try. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Seems like, seems like a topic based live chat would do better than just the like, come hang out with us as we chat. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like just knowing like, yeah, it's easier to sell it basically and easier to structure the conversation. Yeah. Cause it was pretty free flowing. I think they had a couple of high level areas that they wanted to touch on, but it was mostly just a conversation. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like an interview so much as a conversation, which I think made it very, uh, feel very good, you know? Makes sense. Yeah. I'm trying this app called Cron. Oh, yeah. Yep. I've heard of them. I like it. It's, it's like a, a calendar, calendar client. Yeah. Yeah. Calendar client uh, runs in Mac OS. It's a menu bar app or like it's among other things it has a menu bar app, which I'm very bullish on and tend to really enjoy. It's great. I've been using Fantastical, which is, you know, the same thing. And just not loving it. Unfortunately. Like I want to I like that company and I wanted to love the software and I just kept feeling like I just don't like this this much. And Cron so far has been kind of awesome. If I yeah. if I recall they're sort of trying to be like the superhuman of calendars, right? Yeah, definitely a uh, superhuman vibes. It's keyboard shortcuts and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, but like this like little menu bar app they added, I really like it. Like, it's like right now it says record AOP 40 minutes left. So like it's they've actually like they put text in the menu bar. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Kind of like your your date, the time and date in the right corner, similar look to that. Before an event, it will say uh, record AOP in 12 minutes. I don't need to click anything to see what my next event is or how long my current event is, which is really cool. And if I click it, then I get like the next few days of events laid out in front of me which is cool it's like because because most of the time you care about you know what's coming up immediately or happening now or then maybe the next day or two so you don't even need to open the full window of like show me you know the month view or something right right i kind of that's what i use my um apple watch for primarily is just to see the next thing up on my calendar so i can always just glance at my wrist and see like okay i'm free until whatever you know three o'clock That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's like the killer app for me, which is kind of funny because it's like kind of a dumb thing, but it's kind of big. I don't just have Yeah. I mean, yeah. I That little menu bar app just telling me when the next thing is has really sold me actually because that's that's always the question. It's like, how much time do I have? When's the, when's the next thing? Right. What time is it? Right. Helps yeah. you control the cadence of your day. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like Fantastical, it's like I have to click the thing to view it and then it shows me like your next event is at two o'clock and I'm like, okay, oh, what time is it? Oh, it's one thirteen. Whereas Quran is just like, here is exactly how many minutes you have until the thing without clicking anything. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I want to build a Savvy Cal menu bar app. Oh, yes. Tell me more. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I mean, I hear this all the time. Like a lot of times people don't need to go into the Savvy Cal interface, especially if they kind of have their links already dialed in. You know, they have their, their set ones that they like to share all the time. And so, you know, 
I think browser extensions makes a ton of sense, but also just, you know, menu bar where you can just like see a list of your links, click to copy them at a minimum, copy to clipboard. That could be interesting. There's also different form factors for this, though. Um, actually, Stephen, your your chief of staff, <laughs> shared shared a a little script. He wrote he built like a Raycast integration, which I am just getting exposed to this tool. Yes, I gotta try this. And it was crazy. Like he showed me a little demo of it, and then shared the shared the code with me. And I haven't dug into it quite yet, but it's like pretty powerful. And he was able to do a lot. I think just hitting my API. That's always fun to see someone build something with the the primitives that you give them, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. We also had a user build out a tuple flow or a tuple extension for Raycast. Nice. Nice. Yep. Yeah, that, that app looks great. I I love seeing these like cron and that app and then like these like paid terminals like warp and things like that. I love seeing people come along and just like try to make really good versions of apps that everyone's using. Yeah. And like, I saw someone phrase this as like coming along and like 10xing something that like Mac OS gives you for free. I'm, I'm all about that. I think I could, I could do that for like kind of a long time. Like if I, if I swapped away from tuple, it'd be like, oh yeah, I just want to make another like better version of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's sometimes a little bit of stigma around that. Like, like maybe people in the entrepreneur space don't necessarily feel like you're innovating, like building a better mousetrap or whatever. But I think there's a lot of a lot to be said for just kind of stepping up the status quo on things that already exist, you know? It's kind of what I'm doing in Savvy Cal, and it's, it's fun, honestly. <laughs> like, thinking about a problem space that's already already been solved in multiple iterations, but, like, clearly it's not, uh, you know, the incumbents are not solving it, I don't think, in the best possible way. So it's fun to just chew on a problem space like that and just think about how can we make this even better. And there is no best. Like, some people will prefer their way, and some people will prefer your way. So it's like, even if you just have a different take on the way it should all work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah. Love seeing good new software. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned my chief of staff. Yes. I don't, have I talked about that on the podcast yet? Um, I don't think so. I think we, we talked about it offline and then I saw he's uh, sporting the label in his bio. So I figured it was... Uh, it was uh, public to uh, talk about, <laughs> to mention. Totally, yeah. yeah. So I originally tweeted out, like, I think I want to hire a chief of staff. They might, like, have these responsibilities, like DM me or email me. And Stephen wrote me this great email. And at the time, I was thinking, like, I would love this chief of staff person to be in person and, like, work with me in person. And so I was like, I don't think I want to do a remote chief of staff. But... I've actually been looking for a head of sales and you've done a lot of success work and a lot of the sales work at Tuple is kind of process oriented. You know, it's sort of less traditional sales and more sort of management of uh, incoming leads. Basically pitched him on doing that and he agreed. And he's been doing a great job at that. But as I was laying out my plans for 2022 it felt more and more clear to me that like I actually need someone to complement my skill set. So like pretty decent at some of the high level strategy stuff or product stuff or uh, like, you know, being good about pushing things out the door or that sort of thing. But when it comes to like dotting the I's, 
making sure everything is communicated well, thinking of all the ramifications and not just charging forward. I don't really have that so much. And the more I worked with Steven, the more it was like, actually, I think chief of staff is the right position for you. Head of sales was like, I think he was interested in like exploring and getting to know, but wasn't like as much his long-term goal, really. And so both of us were kind of like, let's just do this and let's move you over and actually make you my chief of staff. And eventually we will transition you out of the, the sales role. And it has been awesome. Um, so like we've been, so the key to the chief of staff position is that it is not an executive assistant with a fancy title. So it's, it's not just that I say, I just like delegate things to him, but we actually pair on a lot of stuff. Uh, so like I actually, he has access to my email. He has access to my calendar. He sits in on almost all of my calls and meetings. And we sort of pair on the things that, you know, the company needs or like that the office of the CEO should do, basically. It has been so good. Like, first of all, he is kind of a crazy uh, getting things done, omnifocus savant. We spent like actually a bunch of hours just like leveling up my like omnifocus setup and my habits and like i just like process my inbox items with him and like he like coaches me on like doing this well and that has already been kind of a huge game changer he's been forcing me to like break things down at like very small steps like very clear things like talking about like when you were creating next actions try to write them so that like a very tired robotic version of yourself could perform them and i've noticed that that has led to me doing work in, at random times, even when I am tired. Like literally like 1030 at night, I just like look at my, have a glance at my list. And it's like, oh, that thing just sounds so small and easy. I can just do that right now. And knocking out a little bit of work as opposed to what I had been doing, which is like, you know, like shape a free trial rework. And it's like, yeah, never going to peel that off the stat. It's just, that's just always going to look intimidating. Yeah, I saw him. Um, it was like replying to a tweet thread or something right? Where he was pointing out the difference between a project and a task. And like, one will be very demotivational and it'll, it'll, it's so unknown and like, sounds too big to, to work on. So you end up procrastinating on it versus a task where it's like actually a, a formed idea about something you're supposed to do concrete, right? Which I thought was a pretty powerful distinction. Because I think I probably, I write down a lot of projects, I think, when they should be formed more as tasks. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And the project is the outcome. It's the thing you want to happen at the end of the thing. But then the task is like, what is the small, a very small concrete step that you can take towards that? And the thing he's been stressing is like, and, and I've experienced this in the past, is like, your brain is kind of dumb. So if you... <laughs> That's a good title. Like, if my goal were like, plan 2022, if that was an item on my to-do list, it's like, oh my God, that just sounds terrible. I'm never going to do that. But if the item on the to-do list is create a Google Doc called 2022 plan, if that's the whole to-do, like that sounds very, it is very easy. That sounds very easy. And you'll do that. And then you'll kind of automatically start putting some stuff in there. And you'll sort of accidentally, before you know it, be working on this much larger project. And, you know, it's, it's those silly brain hacks, that, but they totally work. That kind of that thing of like, if you want to build a reading habit, just read one page a day, right? <laughs> and, then like, and then you end up inevitably reading more than one page. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. It's totally the tiny habits kind of uh, approach to doing things. And like also like 
his OmniFocus setup is crazy and like basically is using this tool to kind of the mat to the max. So he's been like helping me like get my my situation leveled up a bit. I have like a GTD coach slash work partner. So like sometimes we've just been like hopping on tuple calls and working separately. But just like basically like, you know, just co-working, I guess. Sometimes we directly pair on things. A lot of the times I delegate sort of large swaths of things to him. And he sort of in, can independently just go tackle a, a larger project. It's great. I feel like my quality of work life has improved dramatically since making this change. Nice. Yeah. That's great. And and I wonder, like, what is the, what do you think the process is for finding a person like this? I mean, I wrote a tweet that said that's what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And he happened to find it. Because he's his background, he's technical, right? And he is he technical. Has, he's like founded, he's like founded companies before, right? Or um, he is a programmer. He has a uh, education business teaching Lucky programming. Before he came to Tuple, he was running a team of success people. It's like working on the like, customer success. Um, so kind of a mix, a mix of things. But yeah, I don't know where you go to look for these people. But yeah, it's wow, it's 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 great. I've been like talking to, I've been raving about it to to Adam Wathen, and he was like, "That sounds amazing. I need that." And it's like, "Yes, you do." I've talked about this book, The Great CEO Within, that I like, and the author Matt Machari, he recommends in there that everyone get a like all CEOs get a chief of staff. And he says now his position is that he won't coach someone unless they get a chief of staff. It's kind of great. I recommend it too. I think part of what makes it work is that we're different. We we complement each other. So like I am the like, let's ship this, let's go, we'll, let's see what breaks in production. And he is like, hold on, should we maybe think about this? Should we, you know, make sure everyone's on the same page? Should we plan a thing? Um, it's it's a good counter to my sort of impulsiveness. Right. Because, so, yeah, so you don't want a carbon copy of yourself as an extension of yourself. You want to backfill, <laughs> you want to backfill like deficiencies or weaknesses. Yeah. Totally. And we we like appreciate and like different things. So it's like the planning things or the like a lot of the stuff that I just find like not interesting, he does find interesting. So it's not I don't feel like bad delegating things to him that I don't want to do because a lot of the times it's like his his sort of favorite thing. That feels has like felt like a change that I feel like is gonna like really unlock a lot of potential for us. I feel I feel more optimistic about hitting the twenty twenty two goals as like to me, when I wrote up this like doc of like what I want to do next year, I was like I think I need a chief of staff. I think I, I need Steven to help me do this. Otherwise, I don't think we can, we can, we'll get this done. But the pieces are falling in place. Speaking of pieces falling in place, we have an accepted offer from a designer. Hey, oh. Yeah. Whew, that's been a journey. <laughs> yeah. It's been hiring sucks. Months, months, right? <laughs> yeah. Hiring is the worst. Yeah. It's, I mean, like at the end of it, you get the best thing, which is like a, a new awesome team member that levels up and like it's a great adding a new person to the team amazing so good the whole process of finding that person is just uh, so draining and uh, uh, it's uh, i hate it yeah did you end up working with a recruiter at all for any of this not for this i need to try that more uh if that worked well like if this is an outsourceable thing then man that'd be great and i i should try that like for so we're, we're going to be hiring a linux lead imminently I want to experiment with that again. Yeah. When, when we had that at Drip, it was so nice <laughs> that we could start the search and, and basically the first initial vetting part was just sort of, 
handled by our recruiter. And then by the time we got made contact, it was so it was far less work on our end when, when they finally made it to us, you know. Mm. And this was an external recruiter you hired? No, we had, well, we had internal recruiters at at um, lead pages that we inherited. Yeah. But I think there are, you know, contract based recruiters that, that you can probably find out there. I wonder at what what scale an internal recruiter makes sense. I imagine you'd have to be like scaling at like venture venture backed startup type of growth clip, you know. I don't know. I feel like I've been working part time on hiring someone for the last year or so, and like expect to I, that looks like it will continue. I suspect that like they might be more a little bit more efficient at the process, so it maybe wouldn't be. <laughs> they would probably complete the task in a shorter amount of time, so then they'd have a lot of slack time unless you were unless you were really continuously hiring. You know, I want to do some more experiments with outsourcing this for yeah. sure. Yep, it's hard because. If the CEO of something DMs you, it's different than a random recruiter. True. Yep. Like I've heard this from people like I just would never answer a recruiter's email or whatever. But like if, if the found, one of the founders reached out, that's just I'll at least read it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's obviously lots of shitty outreach out there from recruiters that you would want to steer clear of that. Any of that playbook, you know, but a good recruiter won't won't play those games, you know. Mm-hmm. More about this person later, but... I'm very excited to have this this thing done. Yeah. Long time coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it feels like there's a lot of things that we want to do that are blocked by this. So it's like this is a pr- pretty critical unlocking of some new capabilities. Yeah. I am tickled that my tuple client design has pretty much <laughs> still remains mostly untouched this far removed. I think it still holds up. I like it. I mean, I know that there's a lot of design things to do that are outside of just that that interface but uh you know i'm glad it's that it's persisted yeah totally yeah 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 no you, you do good work if i could hire you i would <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry are you open to acquisition offers aqua hire <laughs> offers? <laughs> nope okay sadly no right. you, don't, you don't even want to hear my hear my number <sighs> i don't think uh i don't think it'd be in the ballpark <laughs> You said I can't afford it? Yeah. Basically. Okay. Well, what's going on with you? Um, let's see. I've been making progress on my Stripe integration, which is the big, big rock for this cycle. You know, top requested feature by far. I would say I'm like rounding the corner on it, so it should be shipped in the next week or two. Yeah, so I'm pretty pumped about that. And since it's shipping soon, well, we were thinking about like doing a Black Friday promo, which we ended up doing. And kind of worked out nicely because the Stripe integration is going to be a premium plan feature. And so when we were kind of concocting this, like sort of tricky to think through doing a deal like this because I didn't want to alienate existing customers too much. So I wanted to provide something that a lot of customers could also take advantage of. I didn't want there to be a bunch of people who are like, oh man, I already paid for this thing. Now I don't get to take advantage of, of the promo. And so we decided to make offer the premium plan, a year of the premium plan um, at the price of the basic plan. So it wasn't actually like, we didn't want to discount off of our lowest tier. That was kind of the goal. And, and then we could also say like, you know, Stripe integration, like if you, if you want to use this feature, you can lock it in for the price of basic for the next year. That promo brought in a nice chunk of cash flow and, and a nice swath of, of new customers who had kind of been 
floating around on the list but hadn't activated yet. So pretty stoked about that. Nice. Yeah. So marketing works. Marketing works. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then... Um, Can't wait to have a head of marketing. Yeah. When are you going to hire that position? Mm, you know, as soon as I get a recruiter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. No, actually, I'm, I'm working on a job description for that today. Oh, cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. That and the, you said Linux engineer, those like the two, next two. Mm. And a Windows engineer. And a Windows engineer. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Imagine more on that soon. Uh, no, I'm sure that's the last we'll hear of it. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> you know, make a big, we're making big moves. Yeah. It sounds I'm like not it. I'm fooling around in 2022. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Holiday time is always a little bit chaotic. So like we went out to California, visited my family, and then my wife's family came back with us and hung out for a week uh, here in Minneapolis. My days were a little bit disjointed during that time. So I decided to, I have like this, this project. You decided to like get an amazing amount of work done anyway. <laughs> no, not an amazing amount. I mean, I, I did okay. manage to get some, some stuff done, but um, I've, I've, I had this project floating around called like code quality audit. So I basically have been wanting to like do a pass through the code base and tighten things up. This is sort of in advance of like, you know, bringing on somebody to, to help out on the product side and wanting to make sure that like I'm establishing like really solid, consistent patterns throughout the code base. And I sort of have, you know, evolved like, like any code base does, like the new code that I add in today when I'm building a new feature looks a bit different than the patterns I was using when I first started the code base. And so, you know, inconsistencies had cropped up. I had sort of not, not kept up my aggressive use of a linter. Elixir has this thing, this tool called Dialyzer, which does like static analysis of the type specs that you put in and we'll check for inconsistencies. And like, I, if you don't aggressively cache it properly, it like takes a long time to run. And I had enough issues in CI with it that at one point I just disabled it. So I wanted to get, get that like back enabled in the pipeline. Just a bunch of things like that. And the nice thing is those are kind of in most part, like bite sized refactorings that I could just kind of work on idly and, and, um, you know, fit in small gaps of time here and there. So that has felt good. There's a really nice, I discovered this really nice uh, VS Code integration with Credo, which is the linting library. As you're typing code, if you if you break one of the linting rules, it'll like squiggly underline it right there in front of you, which is really, really nice. So you don't have to like, you don't have to run this process or the build won't fail and you have to go back and like fix the issue. It'll just surface it right there in front of you, which is which is really great. I love that kind of like developer productivity stuff. So... Totally. It's awesome. So you tidied the house up a little bit. Yep. Yep. Added some safeguards. Added some safeguards. Do you have opinions about like style guides? <laughs> I do. Okay. I'm curious to hear what your take is on on these. My take is it's worth having consistent style in a code base. It's not worth at all debating that style. So somebody should pick a style and uh, it's also not worth ever commenting on a PR about style because it should 100% be auto done. Ideally, it should just be auto implemented on save of every file. This is my favorite part about working in Elm. It's just like there's like a blessed Elm format. Yep. <laughs> and it's like 
There's no debate. It's like the way to format Elm is the way that Elm formats it. Uh, and I think that's the ideal. Elixir has everything the same beyond thing. that is worse. Yep. Yep. Uh, so if I were you, I would establish an official linter that also will output the correct stuff. And that's that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I've landed too. I sort of was looking around like I'm on like some Elixir newsletters and I will see blog posts about from really smart, prominent people in the Elixir community saying like, these are best practices. Do this. Don't do this. And I was perusing some of those and like, okay, there's some good ideas in here. And I think I've broken some of these best practices and probably I can, I can see the reason for why this person is advocating for this thing as a best practice. And I think, I think I want to do that too in my code base. So I thought about like just assembling a doc with like some of these best practices written down in them. But then I started exploring more deeply. I'm like, I think most of these could be implemented as linter rules. And to me, that feels optimal. Like I want ideally an engineer to be able to look in most files and kind of get a sense for like the style of the code base. And this is the way we, the way we shape, you know, features and the, the way we organize code at a high level. So I want there to be consistency around that, which a linter can't necessarily do. But then on like the individual, you know, construct level, like a linter should be able to do most of that. So I think I've not yet really found anything that really warrants putting into a written doc. I think most of it I can kind of infuse into more automated processes, which I'm pretty happy about. So yeah, having a high, like the higher level things I think is, can be worth having a style doc that describes. I think that's good. We did that at ThoughtBot. There were like high level coding recommendations all in a separate repo basically. Yeah, and, and then the linter is configured and maybe if you want, you can open a PR to suggest a change to the linter config um, if you really want to bike shed something. But hopefully you don't. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's been fun. I mean, there's a therapeutic aspect to refactoring code <laughs> for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. No doubt. Yeah. Get your house all tidy. Yep. During Thanksgiving week, I basically didn't make a ton of progress on the Stripe integration because that requires loading a lot of a lot of state into the mental RAM. And so that felt like a good use of time during that kind of choppy time. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. And you still put out a nice uh, November update. Yeah. I love doing those because it kind of helps me to appreciate like, yeah, we're still getting a lot, a lot of stuff done. You know, it's a good, good moment to take stock. Yeah, I noticed... I'm getting more done now, especially with Steven's help. I was noticing the other day, like, I still get to the end of the day and I'm like, wow, there's still a million things to do. Even though the amount I'm getting done is increasing, it sort of doesn't hit me viscerally exactly. So I feel like I need to, I need to start documenting this better, I guess, or yeah. Yeah. I forget how to brain hack that. Yeah. Maybe it's, I don't know if it's about documenting it or just like looking at the list of completed items or... I'm not, I'm not sure quite what the format is. Right. If you're breaking tasks up into small chunks, then seeing, you know, lists of done items, maybe that'll trigger something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. One th yeah. One thing I think could help is like, I've been working kind of day to day on goals and not thinking about what my weekly goals are. If on Monday or ideally more like Friday, the week before I was like, okay, I want to do these three things next week. And then I got to the end. I was like, did I do the three things I did? Okay, cool. Good week. That might help close the loop in my brain. Yeah. Yep. But the good news is I'm getting things done. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. Progress. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. You good? I'm good. Yeah. Okay. That's the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya.